0: Hello and welcome to the Vandy Sports Post Game Show. Ole Miss dominates Vanderbilt, thirty-three to seven, alongside Joey Dwyer. I'm Billy Derrick, back at you. We were just uh, at Hawkins Field, and we have made our way over to uh, Lipscomb, where uh, Joey Joey calls his home. So, uh, luckily, he's welcomed me into uh, to his his academy, beautiful campus. But Joey, we won't be too long here. Um, you know, I, I can't say we're stunned. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't think we really expected Vanderbilt to come out and beat Ole Miss. Uh, Vanderbilt didn't cover, right? The spread was 25-and-a-half, I think, right before the game. I think I checked, and Vanderbilt lost by, what was it, 26, I guess, 33-7. So, you know, overall, disappointing. Um, you know, th- th- you're at the point where – and Clark Lee even said it this week, Joey. You're at the point in the season where you are saying the same things. I mean, we we've said the same – things since I don't know if I'd go as far as Hawaii but I mean we really are I mean they they beat they beat Hawaii they you know were able to beat Alabama Am but I think the big first warning sign for me at least was the Wake Forest game right we we made the trip up there and I think we expected Vanderbilt to to compete and, and have a chance to win they didn't I mean they 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 did not play well and Wake Forest, took Vanderbilt's mistakes and ran with them. And then UNLV, you know, uh, same thing. I mean, Vanderbilt made mistakes. UNLV just kind of sat back and, and and beat Vanderbilt. But tonight, Joey, same story, different week. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Walter Taylor got in there, and I thought, you know, ran the ball well. Uh, he led a 10-play, 65-yard drive uh, where he capped it off with a, a two-yard touchdown run. He On that drive, he had a beautiful pass to uh, junior Cheryl down the sideline that, and quite frankly, Joe, we we haven't been able to watch a ton of this game. We were able to watch a lot of the second half.
1: So, you know, we've been we saw, trying to, we were, we were watching it on camera in the first half too. <laughs> right.
0: right. So, you know, we saw bits and pieces of that first half, but again, there just wasn't, wasn't enough for Vanderbilt tonight. They, they, they did not feel prepared. I, I was, I was going to write three quick takes. I just kind of scratched it. I said, I'll get all my takes out in the post game. I think Chris is going to have his, uh, quick thoughts and you'll have a few stories out here for uh, for fans but again there's really not much else to be said
1: Joey yeah the first drive told me all I needed to know like Ole Miss went down the field 99 seconds it took him to score a touchdown Vanderbilt got punched in the face it didn't respond it responded by turning it over this game was over really quickly Billy I mean we didn't even have to watch the second half to know how this was going to play out obviously when we needed to for Walter Taylor and such but man Billy they had it looked like they had no chance. And coming out of a bye week after the Georgia game, it should never, ever look like that coming out of a bye week. And it did. And I don't know how you win against Auburn with a performance like that. I have no reason to believe that they'll have a performance good enough to, I guess, compete with Auburn even after watching that. Looked completely uninspired. Looked, I'm inspired to watch basketball. I'm inspired to watch baseball after that. I was inspired to watch the Tennessee versus the kentucky game they looked outmanned I i wrote a story about this after the game at some point it's not about being unprepared and failing to execute in the margins and failing to do the little things well at some point there's a team on the field that has all these nfl players there's a team that doesn't there's a team that doesn't execute well enough i guess in the margins and such but that's also a team that's not good enough at times and a lot of the time they don't play well enough in the secondary their offensive line isn't good enough they have a revolving door at quarterback right now. And the communication in terms of their messaging with what they're going to do at quarterback has been really poor to me. It doesn't seem like there's a plan. It feels like, oh, we'll start Ken, see what Ken does. Oh, Walter, I guess we'll play him. There's doesn't seem to be much messaging. There doesn't seem, much, seem to be much of a plan and not a good football team right now, Billy, and hasn't been for a couple of weeks. That's reflected in seven straight losses. That's blunt, but I don't know how else you put it. Injuries? I guess hurt them, C.J. Taylor didn't play, but there's only so much you can say on their d- behalf, Billy. There's only so much that you can say to get people in a positive light. They lost, and I didn't expect anything different.
0: Yeah, there's uh, there's no sugarcoating it. Joey off the top rope right there. <laughs> no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, w- again, we won't try to be too long, and if you guys have questions and comments, we will get to them. Uh, Joey's got pieces coming out. Chris should have a piece up on the site. Of course, the board has been has uh, been pleasant tonight, per usual. But uh, yeah, but no, the Wash House is one of our sponsors tonight. I'll kind of spread out the sponsors. Uh, the Wash House, one of our one of our favorites, and they're one of our favorites because they're the presenting sponsor for basketball season, and that is coming up in about nine days, November the seventh. I think Vanderbilt fans are looking forward to to basketball season, and all of a sudden, because of football. There's a lot of pressure on Jerry Stackhouse and this basketball team now. So uh, if you're dreading laundry day and if it's stealing the time to do the things that you truly enjoy, let them at the wash house take care of that for you. They are laundry professionals. They've got two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area. Just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendants can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Visit their website. That's washhouseclean.com. All right. Again, not – not too much to get here. Get to here, Joey. Uh, we do have a question here from Matthew Moser. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but why would you say that they looked unprepared rather than just a bad football team? Well, both things can be true. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious they were unprepared. They were coming off a bye week. You have two weeks to prepare, and yeah, credit Ole Miss. I mean, yeah, they but they don't have the pieces right now for their offense, but I, I say they're unprepared because that's how it looked. <laughs> I mean, you know, both things. Just because I say they're they looked unprepared doesn't mean they're they're not a bad football team. This is a two and seven football team, right? But I think you have to look at it realistically. And and you know, we, we've heard we've heard some some rumblings from fans about Joey Lynch and and the defensive coordinator and and a lot of these coaching jobs. And you know. A few weeks ago, it was on the coaches, but now we've resorted to this team doesn't have enough talent. So what is it? I mean, at this point, Joey, you're two and seven, and you know there there's ex, there's excuses flying around. There's all kinds of different theories flying around. Uh, I put a tweet out today that Walter Taylor they might have found something there. I mean, with this offensive line, Joey, and we talked about it during the game there's just not much you can do through the air consistently, right? I mean, when A.J. Swan was in there, yeah, he would show flashes, but there was nothing consistent in the passing game. And Ken Seals today, same thing, right? But you put Walter Taylor in there, it's like Mike Wright last year. You put a running quarterback and Walter Taylor out there, and all of a sudden it looks a little bit different, right? So I just think this offense right now, you need a spark, and the, and the, the, the silver lining here is that, yeah – can they beat Auburn? Who knows? Maybe. Right. I mean, that's probably their only shot. South Carolina is also a bad football team. Uh, but right now, that's grasping at straws. I mean, I, I don't, it's just been an awful year. Right. And tonight just is another, another bowling, you know, bowling ball, you know, to drop. You know, there, there's 12 and 12 games. They've won two but it feels like they're on the path of not winning another. And again, they might, but I, I, and again, to answer that, go back and answer that question. I said, they're unprepared again, Joey. That doesn't mean I don't think they're a bad football team. It's pretty obvious to say they're a bad football team. Right. But it, I think it all, I think they also were unprepared. You had two weeks to prepare for this game. And it I mean, it looked like there was nothing out there for, for Ole Miss. So.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Walter Taylor. That's something I want to talk about as well. Walter Taylor, I think, added a nice element in the run game, obviously. I think, I mean, they had a spark with him when he went in the game. Their offense looked completely different with him in the game versus Seals. We got to get to the bottom of what exactly happened. I think Seals was benched, though, from the looks of it. I don't want to run with that, but Seals, he he went back in the game. He went back in the game,
0: and then he went back to the bench, and he looked obviously frustrated.
1: Yeah, so – I don't know exactly what happened there. I'm sure Aria will tweet something from the presser um, because she's there. But, I mean, we'll see, Billy. What I'm concerned about with Taylor, and I think you're kind of looking long-term with this, is like Mike Wright, I think, was a better thrower than Taylor is at this stage. It's not to say Taylor's not a talented thrower. Certainly a talented thrower. Decision-making wasn't awesome tonight through the interception. It's kind of a force, but I guess it was third and 18 anyway. What if you load up the box against Walter Taylor and make him throw to beat you? I don't know if he's capable of that at this point in his career. He's young. He still has some things to iron out. I don't really know how they move forward here. I think he could certainly give you a spark, but everything that you're saying positively about this team and everything I say positively about this team even feels like I'm grasping at straws and thinking uh, maybe this works. A.J. Newberry was good tonight, but, I mean, would he have been great if they were playing against some of the other teams they played against and he only had 30 yards, and that's a positive, so – I don't know what to say, Billy. I mean, just a really poor outing, and we're saying the same things every week. I'm glad Clark acknowledged it, but yeah, stuff. I mean, look,
0: the staff knows exactly what's going on. These players know exactly what's going on, right? And and we've talked about the same stuff the past four or five weeks, right? So so you've got to find a different twist to talk about. You know, we're not just going to come on here and berate this team. We we know what's wrong with this team we know what's wrong with this program uh but at the same time you they are where they are where they're at right you are what you are you're a 10 and 7 t- 10 and 7
1: oh uh, no 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 no! you're a no, 2
0: no, 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 no. 2 and 7 it's late full work day 2 and 7 football team right you are what your record says you are uh bill parcells the old legendary quote and they're not stupid, right, Clarkley? I mean, he said it this week. He said, "Well, it, it has gotten repetitive in this room, in in this press room." He knows it. He's you know, there's there's things from Clark now that you're you're starting to to almost get a fan sense because he did grow up a Vanderbilt fan. I mean, he he gets it, right? He knows everybody's frustrated, um, so he's fully aware. But I I do like how you mentioned Walter Taylor. Uh, you know Walter is a guy that we haven't seen a lot from, quite frankly. I mean, I, this is his first game action. You know, substantial game action, right? And so, to, for him to be thrown out there, I mean, you got to grade with a curve, right? And so, I, all things considered, I thought he ran the ball well. He, yeah. he didn't throw well. He's not really a throwing quarterback.
1: It's in there somewhere.
0: Exactly, and I think they know that and they like Walter, uh, but it's going to take some time.
1: There's a the reason he was the third string,
0: though. Exactly. Um, and then Newberry, a lot of the younger guys, Martell Hyde, I thought struggled a little bit. You saw more of Longwell. Langston Patterson was all over the field tonight, by the way. Uh, I mean, player of the game in a 33 to 7 loss. It's hard to find. He had a forced fumble, he had an interception. So, big night for, for Langston. We do have a question here from William Putnam. I think it's a good one. Is there a chance that we have seen our last of Will Shepard? He's unhappy that he's not getting the ball, his family is vocal on social media. I, I would agree with that. I mean, we've seen his dad on social media. We've seen a lot of things rolling around. Uh, and, and Will Shepard, quite frankly, hasn't played a bunch. I mean, he was on the sideline at certain times uh, tonight and in some big spots, right, big third downs, which is kind of weird. And it's interesting with Shepard; he's their best player. I mean, I, either him or C.J. Taylor. I right. I think I Shepard, <laughs> Matt Hable. I think Shepard's gonna get drafted. Right? Now maybe his stock has, has dropped. Maybe he doesn't end up getting drafted. I think he has the, he's the player that has the best sh- chance of getting drafted. Uh but it yeah. I think you've probably seen the last of Will Shepard in a Vanderbilt uniform.
1: Really? Yeah. I
0: not not of course tonight, oh, okay, but okay,
1: okay. after this season. <laughs> after this season, yeah. I think he'd be stupid not to finish the year out. Everybody's yeah, frustrated. Yeah. yeah. That would tank his draft stock even more than, I guess, has happened. I wanted to bring up a comment. Clark Lee said that he went to Walter Taylor just to provide a spark. I think it's a fine move. I mean, they needed a spark badly. I think they would have got ran off the field if Walter Taylor didn't go on there. They controlled the time possession a little bit more with him on the field and the, the even point, scored.
0: The point that Rodgers, Jordan Rodgers, made. You know, Seals had gone back in there and completed a, a you know thirteen yard pass, and Jordan Rodgers went back on there and said. He was confused that Seals was in there, and he said, you know, he gives them them the best chance to win this game. Let's face it, they don't have a quarterback on this roster with this offensive line. I don't – Joey, does any quarterback on the planet give this team a chance to win? I mean, Not
1: with the
0: Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, I mean, that's just where, where they're at. They've got good receivers, but when your offensive line and the play calling is as poor as it is, you're just – There's not many quarterbacks that can
1: save you. So I wanted to throw that out there. How freaking frustrating is their messaging? So first it's, well, AJ's the guy. Once AJ struggles a little bit, then it's, uh, we'll see, AJ's hurt. He's banged up. And obviously he's banged up. He's not dressed tonight. But they're saying like two weeks ago, he's close to a return. And somehow he's not dressed tonight. I wonder if he had a setback or something. But then they move into saying, Ken's our guy. Ken's going to start. We're going to move forward with him. Walter Taylor comes in that game on, like, the third drive. Yeah. Billy, what in oh, the Seals, world? Seals was hurt. I, Seals was hurt yeah, a little bit. Yeah, Seals but was hurt. But then he stayed in the game. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so like, your point stands. Like, yeah. what What do you do yeah. here? Like, how, how is the messaging in the direction of the planet quarterback? I'm sure it's better internally than it's been externally. And he obviously doesn't want to say all that, so I'm going to give him a little bit of grace there but man, we have no idea who's going to be the quarterback. Did you think Walter Taylor was going to be the third quarterback today? Did you think AJ Swan was going to be dressed? No, no, you you just, you
0: don't know. There's so many mysteries with this program right now. Um, And and coming into the season, Joey, I, I knew this was like a, a less than likely scenario where we're at this point in the season and we're, we're talking like this, but at this point there's so like, it's not just the quarterback situation. Like, You know, defensively, I mean, this team cannot stop the run to save their life, right? And and I know Ole Miss has a great running game. So does Missouri. So does Kentucky. But, I mean, UNLV had success. Hawaii, game one, had success on the ground. Alabama A&M at times. I mean, like, this is not just the quarterback situation. But that's obviously the most important position on the field. That's what we're going to talk about. So, I don't know, Joey. It's... It's tough right now. Uh, let's see. And I thought, you know, Clark, I don't know if it was Clark or Barton uh, or somebody. Might have been might have been Andrew Allegretta on a, a pregame show a couple of weeks ago, but someone in that program said this is tough for everybody. Right. It's tough for the people that cover the team because you you really don't know what to say. It's tough for the players. I mean, that's that's who it's probably toughest on. I mean, Clark Lee, of course, and the staff, it's tough. But uh, the fans, you know, everyone. There's not a single person associated with this program it's not tough on. So that makes – that compounds it, right? If this team was four and five, you know, still on the verge, okay, you pick off, you know, maybe Carolina-Auburn, you still got a shot. But the UNLV game, Joey, I just think I point to that as being a huge – downturn point in this season, right? I mean, players are smart enough to to mentally sort of realize we just lost UNLV in Vegas and all of a sudden it felt like things snowballed, right? But even before that, Wake Forest, so that maybe that was the point. I don't know. Maybe it was Hawaii, right? But I just think I go back to UNLV and I think that was a huge turning point. Uh, but again, the issues are so much bigger than that. just that UNLV game uh, right now for this team. Let's see here.
1: Blake Phillips is right, by the way. I I failed to mention that Swan did get hit in the elbow.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, and and Swan Swan reaggravated. Yeah, uh, yeah. So and Clark said that, but again, you just you really never fully know the whole story within this within that locker room and that staff, as much as you know Clark does say publicly.
1: I do think he's been pretty transparent with us, but this quarterback thing, and that's far from the biggest issue here. I'm kind of picking out one thing to nitpick like i mean they haven't stopped the run they haven't stopped the pass doesn't matter who the quarterback is 33 points isn't near the worst week that they've had and that's a problem
0: yeah yeah it's a problem uh joe shut does clark have the guts to make the coaching moves needed during the offseason what do you think joe
1: uh, it's hard for me to say i think that will determine a lot though i think that determines a lot of what happens next year, whether they have any sort of spark next year. Cause I think if they just run this back, it's the definition of insanity. They're gonna get good players in the high school class, but they got good players in the high school class this year. You don't want to rely on them. We'll see what they can do in the portal. I think maybe having some new coordinators and some new voices in there would help them, but I'm not one to speak on what he's gonna do. I'm sure he's got that made up in his mind, or at least thinking about it in the back of his head right now though.
0: Yeah, I mean there's gonna be changes, right? I mean I think I think it's fairly obvious um, I, and Clark has even pointed at it right in, in pressers, you know, and we, we've talked about that, right. You mentioned a few weeks ago, wanting to get Jaden McGowan more involved, you know, there's a couple other hints in there, uh, don't have specifically, and I want to clip them at some point, but I mean, he's hinted at some, some coaching scheme decision type stuff, uh, which, which I think points to some changes after the season. As I think we all know, Justin Holland asks, why are we so terrible?
1: No complimentary football. But it honestly, seems like,
0: like, look at it honestly. Why is Vanderbilt so bad?
1: I mean, there's a lot of issues. Chris talks about the NIL a lot. I mean, the portal stuff is really difficult, especially at this program. I think looking at this roster, it just feels like they don't play off of each other really well, and you have to do that at Vanderbilt. The secondary and the pass rush don't complement each other. When the passing game's going, the running game's not. The running game has really struggled, and that's hindered the offense. When the offense doesn't score points, it puts the defense in a bad spot. When you can't run the, the ball – the defense has to be on the field forever. And when you can't get past rush, and your secondary play isn't awesome, it's really difficult there. I think we all know the issues we've been saying them for a long time, but there's just a lot, whether you want to look big picture or whether you want to look small picture and just look at the roster is up to you. I mean, there's players that can make plays here. CJ Taylor's is a good player. Lennon Humphrey's a good player, but it's really hard to win when your offense is getting such limited opportunities. And when they get those opportunities, they can't run the ball and they can't compliment. When they run it well, like they ran tonight, they can't compliment it with a pass game. Complimentary football, people hate hearing it, but, I mean, <laughs> this team doesn't do that very well. And they don't do a whole lot of things super well consistently. And that's the thing, consistency as well. Because you see them, the first two drives of the Georgia game were fantastic. Couldn't build off of it, though, and I think that's a talent thing. It's a line of scrimmage thing. It's a run game thing. A lot of things go into it. Yeah, there's a lot. Joey, I, I look at two words, depth, depth
0: and inexperience, right? And again, that's so football cliche. We don't have enough depth, right? We're young, you know. But depth is a huge word in the SEC. You get into SEC play, right? But their depth showed, I think, in Vegas, right? I mean, every game they've had guys banged up and guys out. Um, But it just feels like their margin for error coming into the season injury-wise was so small. I mean, everybody's is, but – most other SEC teams have the depth behind them if a guy goes down they like that that second guy too right for Vanderbilt CJ Taylor's been banged up I mean I, I think every player's been banged up at some point th- this year you know but I, I it's just it's hard at Vanderbilt in year three when you don't have that depth you just you don't have enough. And, yeah, so to answer the question, why is this team so bad? I would point to obviously a lot of things, but inexperience at key positions. Martell Height corner, you know, Tyson Russell's not really inexperienced. Brian Longwell, play, he's had to play a lot. Uh, Swan is a sophomore at quarterback a lot of this season. Walter Taylor tonight at quarterback. I mean, just like throwing guy, like young kids out there into the fire. You know, and saying, hey, go win an SEC game. Like, you know, much less be- beating Wake or UNLV, right? So, not not just SEC games.
1: Notre Dame beat writers have kind of run with this gap closer thing when referring to them versus, say, Ohio State, Georgia. I think Vanderbilt has a gap closing problem. And a lot of people write it off to inexperience, and that's certainly a factor. But the gap between Vanderbilt seniors and Ole Miss' seniors, huge. Vanderbilt senior, why are they having to play so many young players? Because their seniors haven't been good good enough. The player development there hasn't been good enough. And the initial talent level probably wasn't where it needed to be either. The ceiling's probably only so high with those guys. So I think there's a lot to unpack there. But I think there's a huge talent discrepancy between them and a lot of the SEC and the SEC teams they need to beat. Maybe not as much Mississippi State or those teams that aren't playing well. Maybe Arkansas, I don't know. But, Billy, there's a lot to unpack here i think it starts with the talent discrepancy and the talent gap and i don't know how you fix that though there's good players on this roster don't get me wrong they're all really good guys from the looks of it but there's a talent discrepancy
0: clay phillips uh great guy uh one, one of the biggest fans here he says clark has created a mess with this seniority bs play the young guys now i might i might uh, disagree with that on on, on some notes right I mean, I I think at the cornerback position specifically, they ended up, you know, they started the season with Russell and Anderson when a lot of people were clamoring for Barry and Height. And and I get that, right? But at this point, I mean, Martell Height has started the last several games. Trudeau, Barry has made a couple of starts, if I'm not mistaken. I think Tyson Russell started tonight, but Barry has played a lot. Anderson's been out, so... You know, I don't even know if it's seniority. I just think Clark, as a head coach, is looking at guys out there saying, "Who's the best option a- at this point?" Like, I don't, I don't know that there's a ton of seniority going on. Um, I'm sure there's a little bit. Like every team has that, right? You're, I mean, the older guys are going to get the first nod, um, like if it's close. But like Langston Patterson has played a ton. You know, Ethan Barr's been out there, and I know he's struggled, and there's been some complaints about about him specifically, but. I don't know that there's a ton of seniority going on. I don't know if you would if you would agree.
1: I think it's just a position by position thing, and I don't think there's an easy fix. I think there's a lot of backup quarterback syndrome. And not just that I'm not trying to call out Clay. I think there's just a lot of this gotta be better. Trudeau Berry was that early in the season. Trudeau Berry's been fine, but hasn't fixed their problems on defense. Darren Agu early in the season was supposed to be the guy who saved their pass rush. Didn't happen. Uh yeah. I mean there's a lot of There's a lot of variability in the roster, but not quite enough variability to be able to write it off as one thing. I think there's a point to what Clay said, but I think there's a lot of position to position things. And I think all their options probably aren't at the level as old misses are. And that's kind of my takeaway from tonight and how they got punched in the face and how they just looked flat footed all night. And even if they came out with energy, still would have been a really tough game for them to win.
0: Justin Holland asks, how destroyed is the quarterback room now?
1: And that's a great
0: question. Um, I, you know, I asked myself that specifically tonight, you know, not necessarily when Seals got hurt and Taylor had to go in, but when Taylor, did he get his helmet knocked off? Or Okay, he got his helmet knocked off. Taylor had to run back to the sideline. And, I mean, you have to put Seals in, right? I mean, so at that point, he's healthy. So I mean, at that point, whether he's 100% or not he was able to physically go out there and and play i i guess he had gotten he healed something happened at halftime where seals had had been ready to go stretched out whatever and then they sent taylor right back out there after that completion from seals it was a good completion it was about a 15 yard uh you know 10 15 yard catch to cam johnson <laughs> Uh, and they the the camera pans over to seals. Great timing, SEC Network. And they actually out of the break, they slow mo. They turned it into a slow motion little clip of seals just nodding his head. And, and that I, you could you could clip that that Ken seals nodding his head slowly and just in frustration as a defining clip like that. That's Vanderbilt's season. Your your veteran quarterback who's been through it with Derek Mason. And he's he feels like he's being mistreated. At least that's what it looked like. You know, it looked like he was terribly frustrated. And I don't. I mean, I don't blame him. But at the same time, if you're Vanderbilt, Walter Taylor is is running the ball well. They got something going, and seals through that interception. And you know, <laughs> it's just hard. I get going on these tangents, and I I, I kind of I don't know how to end them <laughs> about it. Like that's what this season has done, but. The point stands about Seals and and the quarterback room. I don't know that it's destroyed, but it's not in the best spot. <laughs> it's it's not in a good spot because number one, you got Swan and Joey, you're talking, you talked about the messaging. I mean, you got three guys right now. Is Swan healthy? What percent is Swan at right now? I, that's the number one question. Well, I mean, I would love to know that Seals. What percent is he at? Is he 100% right now? I mean, how banged up is he? Why didn't he play in the second half? Walter Taylor, why didn't we see more? I think the question for Walter Taylor, why didn't we see more of his running packages maybe planned with A.J. Swan to start the season? So, again, destroyed may not be the word. It's pretty dang close, though.
1: That's a great point about Seals. There's so many different directions I could take this, but it kind of just boils down to it being a really hard place to play quarterback especially this season last season maybe not as much they don't have a great run game actually that's putting it lightly their offensive line has really given them some it's trouble
0: tonight what they had their biggest rushing day
1: yeah the, it was from a quarterback who had barely checked into a game and a running back who had barely checked into a game and neither of them had over 60 yards so that kind of tells you what you need to know about their running game with a quarterback like Ken seals and even AJ Swan a young guy you got to be able to complement what they do with a run game And you got to be able to protect him. Vanderbilt hasn't been able to do that a whole lot. Look at Walter Taylor. He went the game and got folded in half at one point. He got sacked, what, three or four times? And that's – one of them was a slip screen. I don't know if that's the offensive line's fault. One of them, I think he held on to the ball too long. Maybe one or two of them he held on to the ball too long. But I just think it's such a hard place to play quarterback. And you mentioned it earlier, who's going to win? I think Aaron Rodgers probably won him a game. Seeing what he's done to the Bears for my whole childhood, he's probably going to find a way to beat the Bears with this roster somehow. But – I think it's just such a difficult place to play quarterback. They don't have a safety blanket tight end. I think Justin Ball does some good things. Cam Johnson's really emerged. I'm excited about his future. But without Cole Spence, without them utilizing the tight end like some other teams utilize the tight end, I think that's difficult without the run game. um, Without receivers consistently winning one-on-ones, they have talent there. Guys haven't won one-on-ones throughout the full season, though, and that's really tough as a quarterback, especially against SEC corners and SEC defensive lines. Billy, I don't have the answer here. It's just a tough place to play quarterback, and I think you look at trying to get gap closers. Jeremy St. Hilaire maybe is one, but if you can't put him in a great spot to succeed, if you can't put Whit Muschamp, another guy who people are excited about, in a position to succeed, what do you have? Not sure.
0: Yeah, it feels like transfer portal might be an option for this team at the quarterback position. Uh, So Because there's going to be movement with this team in the offseason. I mean, there, there's going to be right. That that's another challenge. That's another layer uh, of this season. We're getting some good comments here, Joey. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> we we've got a lot. We're going to try to get to every single comment and question. We, and and again, we we appreciate you guys checking in with us. Um, you know, vent, vent it out Vanderbilt fans. You know, we want you guys to to try to come here and get some answers because we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to figure out some of the some of the answers to to your questions as well. Uh, Next sponsor, though, Reed, Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. They are a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. That partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide Purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. And they now serve southern Kentucky, northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and north Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with Purity products as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more info, visit their website at npmci.com. I think uh, Chris Lee might be getting him some ice cream tonight. We do. We've, I think it's like 40 days, 40 nights, like starved in the desert right now. We, we've just been going at it. But uh, no, I, I, yeah, we need food before ice cream, if anything. Joey's getting his uh, Gatorade bar out here. But uh, no, big, big thanks to Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. Uh few great ice cream brands out there, so... If you're feeling a little low, Vanderbilt fans, just go grab you some some Mayfield, Nestle, or Haagen-Dazs ice cream. You're supporting the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company. All right, let's get back to the questions and comments, Joey. Uh, let's see what we got. William Putnam, an interesting comment, not, not involved in anything in this game. Not to rub it in too much, but Lance Leopold, Kansas head coach, wanted the Vandy job. So did Jamie Chadwell, the Liberty coach, right now. Joey Lance Leopold has done a heck of a job at Kansas, and that's it, it's tough. He's not in the SEC. The Big 12 is a pretty dang good conference, though, right now, and he's done a heck of a job. It's easy for Vanderbilt fans to look over and say, man, Leopold uh, has done a pretty good job there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see if they have to move on from Clark at some point. Are there enough guys who are actually interested in the job? It's such a tough job, and if they move on from Clark after this year next year, people are going to look at it and be like, he looked on paper like the perfect guy for the job and he didn't get it done. So I don't think we're at that point yet. I think he's still got time to go, but it concerns me to think who in the world could take this program and flip it on its head if it's not Clark Lee. I mean, Clark Lee says all the right things. He's a Vanderbilt guy. I I guess you overcorrect maybe and try to do something crazy with your hire, but it's such a tough job. And I guess other guys could have done a better job and they could be doing better uh, they could be doing better things, but man, it's it's really, really difficult job. And that's what scares me the most, more so than any micro issue in terms of each game. It's just a tough job. And that scares me long term for Vanderbilt football.
0: Yeah. I mean I think right now you're at a you're at a I don't know breaking point, turning point, you know, maybe not yet, but at the off season, this is the biggest off season I think in the history of any Vanderbilt football tenure, right? Because if you're Clark Lee, you're going to have to sit down with your staff and make some tough decisions, right? Whether it's with guys leaving, whether you have plans for players or other coaches coming in. Um, But this is an off season. It's going to have a ton of movement, right? Whether it's good or bad. Um, And in in the transfer portal era, era, Joey, you're going to see that at every school, maybe not coaches as much, but a ton of player movement. But uh, but yeah, Lance Leopold did want the Vanderbilt job. He uh he wanted it. I think he was close to taking it. But uh, Vanderbilt hired Clark Lee, and uh, you know, I mean, last year, <laughs> at this point, last year we were talking about a win over over Kentucky, right? So let's not forget about that now, right? I, and again, I know it's it's hard to think about that right now, but you can't forget about what happened last year. So I, I want to point that out too. We'll have all off season to talk about. Uh, the future of this program. Uh, Matthew Moser from Aria Gerson, I think she's already tweeted and Clark has already commented after the game. Clark Lee said he went to Walter Taylor just to provide a spark. So, I mean, yes.
1: that's what I got underst- from, too. I didn't look
0: up. Sparkles. Okay. <laughs> Understandable. So, Joey already mentioned that. Uh, let's see here. Joe Shutt, Will Shepard has checked out. Get rid of him. Clay Phillips, Swan got hit on the elbow again in practice. You already got to that. Why was Quincy Skinner out? It's a good question. Uh, I, I saw it from Arya's tweet that you know she said he was out. And again, there's th- another layer of the mysteries that, they, like, I don't know why why was he out? I don't know. I mean, I would guess some sort of injury. I guess it could have been disciplinary potentially. We, we don't know. There's just so many things we don't know. That's that's another layer of it. There's been some mysterious injuries, right? I mean, I'm sure every program has that. But Quincy Skinner, I mean, you would have liked to see more from him all
1: season, not just tonight yeah i couldn't find a reason i think maybe clark said it post game but it wasn't tweeted so i'm not sure we weren't there we were at the baseball scrimmage and working on basketball secret scrimmage stuff or yeah working on basketball secret scrimmage stuff we would have loved to have been there but it didn't make sense for us today and because we kind of knew this would happen and i think the expectations for this team are about fair right now they were what? Well, what were they A 26 point underdog And I did. Yeah, yeah, I didn't expect them to cover that, and I don't think they've lived up to an expectation in any singular game except for Georgia this year, and that kind of tells you where you're at. I don't know how I got to that out of Quincy Skinner, but there's a (laughs) lot, a lot of issues with this team relative to expectation by smart people in Vegas. They have failed every game except Georgia, and when they beat Georgia, or when (laughs) you would have thought that they beat Georgia. (laughs) You would have thought they'd beat Georgia when all this happened. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where we're at. They cover a spread and there's a parade. And maybe we were a little guilty of that. But, I mean, I think we kept How it. How could
0: you not? Like,
1: But that's where we're at right now. You got to throw a parade for keeping it under 20 against Georgia. That's where we're at.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at today. It's a good example. Georgia dominated Florida. So, I think it was real last week. Yeah, maybe Georgia slept walk playing in a construction site. But, but
1: that's not who Vanderbilt
0: is. No, it's. It's not, but I don't think we were wrong to 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 sit there and say, "Hey, look, positivity," <laughs> right? I mean, it was right in front of our face. Uh, let's see here. Knox too tall. What does that say about Vanderbilt? UNLV broke them. I think it says a lot. I mean, I, I think it says a lot about where they're at right now. Uh, they're they're not there yet. They're not quite frankly close yet. Right. This program is a long way away from competing in the SEC. I think you need, if you're a fan, and, and you could like look next to your schedule, buckle up, right, for probably another similar season, right? now. But uh, there's a big caveat. If they can figure out the quarterback position, right, if they could bring in somebody from the portal, whether it's a veteran type of kid, you know, type of guy from the portal, I think that'd be huge. If not, I mean, does Swan stay? Does, does Seals come back? Does Drew Dickey come back? I mean, who comes back and who leaves, right? There's a lot um, There's a lot out there, a lot in the air right now, you know? So there's a lot riding on this offseason.
1: There's so many other issues in quarterback, though. It's, yeah. I don't want to understate that. The quarterback position is important, but they don't have a run game. I don't see how they're going to completely transform their run game in a year. They're going to have so many offensive linemen leave, and that's a concern for me, and their offensive line isn't awesome as we speak. They – struggle to consistently throw it down the field, even though they have that capability. I mean, the defense is the defense, and it's probably one of the bottom-ranked Power 6 defenses in the country. Quarterback play doesn't completely solve it, even though quarterback play could mask a lot of the things that are wrong. Walter Taylor masks some things that are wrong with the Vanderbilt offense when he was running it down the field tonight. So only so much you can do, though.
0: Good question from William Putnam. Might be the MVP question asker tonight. Which Vanderbilt offensive player would win a starting position at Ole Miss, I'll give the floor to you, John.
1: Not many. I don't know the complete answer to this, but me and Chris have talked about this a lot on the way to the press conferences from the press box. In the press box, maybe DeRicky Wright starts at linebacker, maybe CJ Taylor starts for them. Um, hard for me to find an answer otherwise. They have good talent in young defensive linemen that hasn't turned into production. They have corners, Martel Height maybe in a few years becomes that, but I think he's right. Maybe the Ricky Wright. Who else? I don't know. Maybe CJ Taylor and CJ. Offensive.
0: Oh, did he say offense? The first part was offensive. My bad. It's so long, you got dead. Your defensive. long dead. Long uh, defense. Okay.
1: Um, May Will Shepard, Maylon Humphreys in a year or two.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, listen, the NIL in the off season, the three guys that the Anchor Collective at the time, now it's called Anchor, Anchor Impact, at the time the Anchor Impact uh, Fund had signed three guys. I think they signed a few others, kind of you know added on, but it was A.J. Swan, Will Shepard, and C.J. Taylor. And at the time it was pretty impressive you were able to keep all three, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you had some other schools, as it happens every program, trying to poach those guys off the team, right? And so to keep those guys, yeah, it was pretty impressive, right? Hasn't been enough this year, right? You need more of those guys. You know, three or four more C.J. Taylors would be nice for this then, team. Then
1: you'd have like a SEC defense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's C.J. Taylor would start on most defenses, I think. Maybe I we'll Miss'
1: situation at that position.
0: Yeah, maybe not Georgia. He would compete. I'll say that. Um, and then Shepard, yeah, I agree with you and all, all the four players you said. Hayball, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, one of the best punters in the country. And William said his answer was, the only answer is CJ on defense. That's it. Derricky, maybe. So he says, Derricky, right, maybe. Let's see here. Justin Holland, how is this team so undisciplined? That's a good
1: question. Um, I mean, you hate to make excuses for the coaching staff here. It's really, really reflective of coaching, I think. And I don't know which coach exactly that falls on. I'll have to look in the stats and see exactly where the undisciplined issues were, where the penalties were, where team where guys looked like they were coming out flat footed but it's coaching in some aspect some of it's on the players, you got to bring your own energy and be disciplined and do the little things well but coaching at the end of the day and if you're saying these guys aren't wired to do it, then why don't you get guys who are wired to do it it's kind of where it falls for me is coaching
0: let's see here Clark Lee, this is from Alan Huang. Uh, Clark Lee did not look like the perfect candidate on paper. No head coach experience. What do you think?
1: I mean, I wasn't around for the search, but it's hard for me to imagine a guy who could – I mean, certainly that's a thing, and he's correct. I mean, you have to have head coaching experience, especially coming into a job like this, and maybe if they have a search again, they'll be more cognizant of that. But I think he was probably – who I would have hired at that point. And maybe I sound stupid for saying that. I probably do. It's really late at night and I haven't had time to think about this. It's kind of a rapid reaction for a reason, but I'll have more for you on that. I'll look more into that, but there's some good candidates who have done better things elsewhere than Clark has done here. And that's what it boils down to. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what it looked like two years ago matters what it looks like now. And Kansas has done some awesome things. Liberty has done some really good things as well. So Vanderbilt hasn't.
0: Yeah. And it's easy to look at that and compare. But I've talked enough about Clark and why he's the right fit at Vanderbilt. Luke Wyatt has. I mean, we've I don't think I need to rehash that. Uh, Sebastian Bronner. He's been a great commenter all season.
1: Um, Chris and I met him.
0: Great guy. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's been there since the Hawaii game. He says, I'm a Clark Lee believer, but we must face the facts. The lack of preparation and execution is evident week in and week out. Staff changes must be made. In order to have future belief in this program. Agreed.
1: Yes, agreed. <laughs> Correct.
0: Uh yeah, we have hinted at that, not just hinted, we've talked about that. And uh Sebastian, great, great comment. I i, I com- completely agree with you. Joe Shut says, Why are we talking about last year? Why? Joe, come on. I mean, if Vanderbilt went two and ten year one of Clark Lee, then they go five and seven in year two with Mike Wright and Ray Davis as the guys really leading the charge, right? You still had the same defense. I mean, somehow they're – you know, it looks like they're playing worse this year because last year they were able to get two wins. When in reality, Mike Wright and Ray Davis controlled those games and their offensive line somehow looked better. Oh, no, you got two leaders as running backs back there and they won you those games. I mean, let let's let's face the facts here. I'm talking about that, Joe, because if they would have gone two and ten last year, I mean, Coach Lee would be on the hot seat right now. Right? That's how important last year was to to show some tangible progress, to show that, you know, things are looking good, right? And and their future is bright. It can be bright. That that five and seven season last year. Got you guys like Cheryl, and Humphreys. And, and I mean, you go two and ten last year, back to back two and ten seasons. What does that say to recruits? But that was proof of concept last year, so that's why it's so important. Last year, I don't know if you're with me there, Joey, but I just I think it was huge to go five and seven. Now you lost a ton all, all of that momentum after this season, right? So you can argue it's it's unimportant now, but it is because of that's the glimmer of hope right now. Right, That 5-7 and seven season last year is the glimmer of hope, and also the recruiting. The recruiting class looks good coming up.
1: Yeah, I think it certainly gives you some things to look back on if you're really trying to find a reason to believe in Clarkley. Also, it gives you some reasons to say how the heck is this not improved? Because you had the momentum, you had the sell to recruits, like you mentioned, and they haven't taken a step forward. They've taken a huge step back from the looks of it. Even if they get to three wins, it's still a huge step back, and the way they're losing games, the way they're emphatically losing games. I think there's a reason to talk about last year. It's not only to say they're incredible last year and there's reason to believe. There's also reason to say how the heck did you not improve?
0: <laughs> we're at the point where where fans are kind of all right, we're checking out. We we've, we've had our time on here and we appreciate it guys. We we really enjoy doing this when you guys are a part of this and uh, it makes us want to do more lives. Just, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like talking about football and basketball and baseball. No, you just, you like talking about basketball? Man, stop. <laughs> to, I sat at the baseball <laughs> scrimmage for 18 <laughs> hours today, Billy. Really. Maybe not 18 hours, but 18 innings. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Just don't make fun of my my muscles. That's it. <laughs> make fun of my football knowledge all you want, but no muscle talk.
0: Yeah, let's see you run a slant route. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, we, we appreciate you guys uh, coming to hang out with us. Uh, We've got to get to a couple more sponsors here. John Leffen and the Mater Nexon Government Contracts Group, uh, they advise government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call, 256-551-0171. But we're not done yet, Joey. We're We're going <laughs> to... We're, we're going to, as long as we're getting comments and questions, we're going to keep rolling. Uh Let's see here. Justin Holland says, welcome to Vanderbilt football, Joey. I think, I think you've been welcomed and doctored in oh, yeah. well enough. <laughs> you probably expected some of this, but. I expected may, this one more than
1: anybody. May, there was a glimmer of optimism in everyone's eye. Mine was like, it's like a dark soul. <laughs> I'm already at that level. I'm at, I'm at Chris Lee's veteran level. <laughs>
0: Man, that's early. Uh, let's see.
1: It's Really early for me to be. There. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know what I heard the first week that I was covering Vanderbilt football is, uh, rock bottom has a basement. So we'll see.
0: <laughs> oh
1: man, Trevor, Huland, and our boy Trevor
0: always oh, said, no, here? no, he's not. No. But he always says, you can't break what's you can't break what's already broken. So that's that's kind of where Vanderbilt fans are at right now. Um, Joe says, I feel for you guys. You have to come on post game and make excuses for this. Um,
1: make excuses but sometimes it comes off that way and yeah I mean, listen anytime-
0: listen Here's we're not gonna come on here and just berate this program right as hard as it, is, as it is right now right We have to we have to tell it like it is. so at this point it's hard not to technically but we also want to talk detailed right We're not just gonna this team is awful good night everybody <laughs> right I mean we, we're looking for answers just like everybody else. Right. So, you know, we we want to try to be detailed in our answers to an extent.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think we both try to walk the fine line of objectivity without getting personal or whatever. I think the thing that you said a few weeks ago that stuck with me is like, if you try to sell hope to this fan base at this point in the season, when they're when they're this down in the dumps and they lose like this, you sound like an idiot. And I think we try to balance it at times, but it's really difficult at times to be able to say, well, this Good thing happened today when they lost to Ole Miss by 26 points and got punched in the face and didn't respond until the third quarter. I mean, that's kind of the, the line we walk. And it's difficult at this point in the yeah. season, but it's a blessing to have these opportunities and to have these platforms. So we got to keep that in mind as well. And I think me and you both are pretty cognizant of that as well. Yeah. Braden
0: McPherson, uh, good friend Braden <laughs> Uh, two weeks of preparation to start the game like that is absolutely inexcusable. I agree 100% with that. And that's why I said this team was unprepared. I mean, two weeks, right? Off the bye, we always say off the bye, this team should have a few plays lined up early in the game that surprise everybody. And maybe they did and they just didn't work, right? Maybe they, they just, they, they didn't execute, right? But at some point as a staff, You've got to try something different. And maybe they did, but it didn't look like they did. So that's where, you know, that's what we're pointing to. Speaks to the job of the coaching the staff, or speaks to the job of the coaching staff this far. Massive staff overall overhaul has to be in place this offseason. And I think we've we hinted at that. Uh, agree. Agree with that. Sebastian back at it. Uh, Billy Joey, how do you think Candace and the Chancellor are viewing the current situation with the football program? It's a good question because Chancellor Deermeyer is is a huge sports fan right massive sports guy uh, he out of if you if you took every Chancellor in the country at every power five school he's probably up there in terms of sports fans and sports guys right especially at a school like Vanderbilt and if you narrowed it down to just the the academic institutions he might be number one right? But that doesn't take away from the, the institutional blocks that, that have maybe blocked him, right? Whether it's the board or whatever, right? There's more people than just him that that convene on decisions, right? It, it, with athletics and everything else. Um, but, I mean, come on. It, I, I'm not calling this question stupid, but they feel awful. I mean, I, I'll tell you up front. Like, Deermeyer, he came up. I thought Chris made a good point. He came up, and speaking honestly here, what game was it? Was it Kentucky? or Kentucky. Kentucky. Down big at yeah, K- Kentucky was all over Vandy at the half, and that Kentucky game was kind of the last chance, I think, for this team. And I think a lot of fans were pointing to that game. Ray Davis coming back. Maybe Vanderbilt shows some life. Maybe they get off the mat, and maybe they pull off a win here or at least compete and show some progress this year. They just They didn't do that. They played – they played awful and at half Chancellor Deermeyer came up to us and they posted the picture. You were in there, but I thought that was a gesture of, okay, we understand that the product on the field right now is not very good, but you know, we want to pay respects to the people here covering this team. Right. I don't know if they shook the hands of the road team of Kentucky's beat guys. I think they did. Uh, But Deermeyer and, and you know, one of their social media guys. And I thought that was kind of a, and Chris said this, right? And I agreed with Chris, how it's kind of them acknowledging where they're at, right? And 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 kind of doing it, doing something nice. So, but I'm not going to beat around the bush. They feel awful, Candice, and they're they're probably concerned, right? And I said this a couple of weeks ago. They're going to sit Clark down, and basically say, "Look, right, what what's the plan here? We need a clear plan of attack." I'm not saying they're going to say you know like Jimbo Fisher for example you need to bring in an offensive coordinator right maybe they do that maybe they don't but they, but they're going to 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 sit him down and say listen give us your plan give us what you think is going to work and and move this program forward right that's going to happen um and and that shows me that they're viewing it horribly i mean i don't i don't think there's any other way to put that joey uh, they obviously believe in him, Sebastian says. I agree with that. That's what they, that's why they hired the guy. I mean, if you don't believe in Clark Lee, and there's there right now <laughs> there's great reason to, right? But this is a rapid reaction, and tomorrow morning fans might wake up and feel a little bit different, right? That's how it usually happens. But if you don't have faith in Clark Lee, you are short-sighted.
1: Results, Billy.
0: I, I get it, but right, say they fire Clark Lee. Who who's gonna who are they gonna bring in? They're gonna bring in Lance Leopold. No, he just he just took a huge contract. I don't know that there's anybody else that could can fix what's ailing this program right now. And that's my that's one man's opinion. And he knew it was gonna be hard, right? Everybody did, right? But at the same time, I see why people might disagree with me. And I'll take I'll take on the flack. I will. But at the end of the day, this program needs a coach that can change the mentality and mindset that a lot of these players, a lot of their these players are still Derek Mason type guys, so they don't think the way Clark might think, or they don't they have not been molded by by Clark, right? So. I, and, and I'm I'm just throwing that out there. So, yes, they do believe in Clark. But they will push him to make some changes.
1: I, I think so, to answer Sebastian's question. Yeah. The only thing I want to push back on is, like, I think there's reason to not believe in Clark Lee. And I think you yeah, said the same it, thing. Yeah. But, I mean, the results are the results. If you take a step back in year three in any situation, beg some questions, and I think we certainly have those, and we've been saying those for an hour. So I didn't want what you said to get misconstrued because I think there's certainly some validity to not believing in Clark Lee Mm -hmm. at this point. And I'm still on the fence a little bit. I'm, I know I'm going to give the politically correct answer and say, there's some good things with him. I like the philosophy and all that, but also results are results. And there's a lot of things that are starting to get a little tired. And I think we're at that point. Yeah,
0: no, I I mean, listen, I, I totally get, that's why I think this off season is massive. Changes have to be made. I think they will be made. And they've got to be made pretty quickly, I think, right? Or else you get too far behind in the SEC, it gets gets ugly, right? And it has this year. I mean, we've seen it. Sebastian makes a point, and he brings up, he says, coaches like Leopold at Kansas, Chadwell at Liberty, and Mike Elko at Duke are elevating talent at a fast rate. Their overall staffs are scheming, preparing well, and are tactically sound. How do we get there? Again, I like your point about about Leipold, Chadwell, and Elko. But you know, let, let's look at the schools they're at. Elko's at Duke in the SEC or ACC. ACC. I don't know why I said Clark Lee's at Vanderbilt in the SEC, right? Mike Elko's at Duke in the ACC. The ACC is arguably the worst Power Five conference, right? I mean, I, I think I think most people would would agree with me there you know, you're playing Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Virginia weekend, week out, you know, Clemson's down this year. So that has helped Elko. Not taking anything away from Elko. Clark Lee knows Elko well. He respects him. I do. He's done a phenomenal job there. Chadwell's at Liberty. I mean, let's, you know, it's a great example. And Chadwell, I think, wanted the Vanderbilt job as well. I don't think they were ever going to hire Chadwell. Uh, It's just I don't think that was a fit. He's done well at Liberty, but it's Liberty. It's not Vanderbilt in the SEC. Leipold is a is a lot better example. I think Leipold is is the example to say, listen, what look at what they've done in the portal, right? Look at what they they found a quarterback in Jalen Daniels. Oh, and they also found a backup Bean, who just went out and beat Oklahoma today, right? And they've invested. Look at their, you know, so they Kansas has done a good job. How do we get there? <laughs> that's the uh, that's the old million dollar question there, Sebastian. I don't know. I I mean, I I don't know because, and Chris has talked about this a thousand times. Vanderbilt's NIL program is at the bottom of the SEC. It might be bottom half of the, and definitely is bottom half of Power Five, might be bottom five, you know, bottom 10. But in the SEC, it's at the bottom. So you're not going to outbid, right? I mean, you're not going to outbid Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss. You're not. So you can basically – you're not going to get there with NIL money. All right, let's 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 go to the portal, right, transfer portal. What's the n- number one tactic to bring guys to your program in the portal? NIL. Uh, also- so you already have that taken away. It has to be developing talent mm-hmm. through high school recruits. I. It has to be. That's the only thing that I think is possible.
1: Yeah, and you have to get gap closers who are high school recruits. You have to get, like, Whit Edwards-type guys. You have to get Marcel Dante Heights, Carter. Dante Carters consistently. They're coming.
0: They're, they're, they're going to play.
1: They're going to have to play early. Other, I don't know what other option Vanderbilt has. Also, with the transfer thing, too, not to make excuses for them, I think it's really hard. I think they have a much smaller pool to evaluate guys out of than other teams just because of grades, and that whole thing shouldn't be lost. But got to do a better job. you got to have better evals. And you got to have guys who come in, if you're going to get a transfer, got to come in and make a difference. And guys have made differences. Some guys haven't, though. And I think there's a lot to be desired in terms of their transfer portal. You have such little room for missy vows in recruiting, and I think they've had a decent amount of those, whether some of those were Derek Mason's guys, sure. Clarkley's guys, particularly I look at the sophomore corners who haven't given them a whole lot of minutes. Gumbo Gaskin's done some good things, but – not a whole lot of guys have got on the field and that's yeah. kind of where i look is you can't afford any missy vows and they've had some and that's certainly hurt them
0: and you're in the midst of a two and 10 season i mean they you know could finish could get one more win here you know maybe two and that i think and don't forget that you you've still got auburn and south carolina like i i, I don't want to forget that it doesn't feel like vanderbilt can beat those two teams quite frankly right now I think South Carolina more so than Auburn, but that is in Columbia, one of the harder places to play. So we'll see. I don't want to forget that. But in the midst of an awful season, you have to sell. So another thing we can't forget, Vanderbilt got Whit Edwards, Dante Carter, Alvin Williamson, studs from the state of Texas, I think Edwards from Oklahoma. But they pulled off those guys. Right, And again, they haven't gotten on the field yet. They haven't done anything yet. But to even get recruiting wins like that at this point, I think, is another glimmer of hope. Right, It's something. Let's see. we got a few more here, Joey. We're going on an hour, man. I think we said, what, 30 minutes is what we were shooting for? But no, again, thank you guys for, for checking out uh, the show today. Uh, Sutherland and Belk will bring us down the home stretch here. They are a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt or in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call, 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Well, we're trying to help you guys right now, just like Sutherland and Belk will do if you're ever hurt or in an accident. Let's see here, guys. William Putnam, last question. Have some fun. Which two Vanderbilt basketball players could help this football team?
1: Joe, you want to go first? first one that comes to mind is Tyron Lawrence. I think he's wiry, athletic. Play some receiver for him a little bit. Maybe Colin Smith could play tight end. 6'8 tight end would be an interesting idea. Uh, Lee Dort at fullback. Uh, <laughs> he could He could really – I mean, Lee Dort I think moves really well think, for a I fullback. Think, I think Lee
0: Dort more so as like a pulling guard or a pull um, – like a, a tackle to kind of protect Lee, the, the blind side. Lee Dort
1: hedged and Lakered a few screens last year. Don't don't let his uh I don't know that he can move as well as Van Allen Lubin, but he can move a little bit.
0: Yeah. Man, for me, I think Ezra might be a good like running back, maybe out of the backfield. He's not very big, so he probably he'd probably have to take some licks, but I think Ezra might be a, a kind of a weapon you bring in, you know, once once or twice, yeah, with the speed. I want to try to go a little bit different here. Rivera Torres as maybe a receiver on the outside. Oh, I, go, I, go. I think Rivera Torres. I'm trying to think. Who who do you have?
1: JQ Roberts. Oh, tight end.
0: Maybe <laughs> LeBron James, tight end. Louis Presley. Presley, yeah, maybe a running back. Tyron is is an obvious one. I think Colin Smith could be could be a, a good good guy, but I don't think is Vanderbilt basketball is a super physical team. Like last, I think they're they're okay last year in the physicality department, but I think if like if you asked us about like Tennessee. Or you know some of those physical SEC teams, you'd have a lot of options. But I think there's some guys that could help the team. I don't know if any. We'll do some research. I'm not saying we're going to write a piece or anything, but maybe on the board we might throw something up and uh, give some answers there. Uh, let's see here. When is the first basketball game? Justin asked. The first basketball game is in nine days, probably eight days by now. <laughs> um, November seventh at home against Presbyterian, seven o'clock. Uh, Tip-off? Seven, 7 o'clock tip-off. And then they play, is it that next Friday? USC Upstate. Against Friday. USC Upstate. And then Greensboro is game number three that next week, uh I think, right? Yes. Yeah, sandwich in between there. That's going to be – like if, if you're looking at I, – I if you're looking at out of those first four games, a game to actually go to as a Vandy fan, I would say go to Greensboro uh, at home uh, in a few weeks. Because Vanderbilt – I mean, I think they're going to kill the first two teams they play. I would recommend you go see that green throw team play against Vanderbilt. Uh, Let's see here. Elliot, we have good players, just not enough of them. It's been the same problem for years. And, Joey, that's what you're hitting at.
1: Yeah, they have a couple guys. I mean, if they it's a great point by Justin Holland. They haven't signed Dante Carter yet. He's a guy who's been on flip watch a little bit over the course of the last few months. They have C.J. Taylor. They have Will Shepard. Those are guys who you would think of as ideally – if Dante Carter is as good as C.J. Taylor, you're in great shape. Yeah. Who else compliments him, though? They have guys on defense, but the recruit optimism always tends to get a little blown up. And I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. If you only have one or two huge playmakers on each side of the ball, how do you compete in the SEC? And I think that's a great point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it,
1: <laughs> he's right in saying that's every year.
0: And that's probably going to be the case for the foreseeable future at Vanderbilt. I mean, I don't know if you if you like if you honestly asked every Vanderbilt head coach who's ever coached a Vanderbilt football team and say, hey, like, do you have enough talent? They'd probably honestly say, well, I mean, yeah, but they would probably always say, but, right? And we could use another guy here, or another guy there. So that's always going to be the issue at Vanderbilt. Uh, let's see here. Big door guy. That's a good one. Where do y'all think Will Shepard grades out in terms of NFL draft stock at this point? <sighs> That's a tough one. I think a couple of weeks ago, I was I was pretty convinced Will Shepard would be a four to six round, four to six. Definitely not a day two guy. But he would definitely be a day three guy. At this point, right? I'm probably closer to a fifth or sixth round pick right now, just because he hasn't played a ton and he struggled with some drops. So he might even fall out. I, I don't. I'm not a draft analyst. I, I, I we might do a piece on that and see where Shepard's draft stock is, talking to maybe an expert. But I don't know. I, I I would say five or six, but
1: definitely day three right now. Yeah, I would say five or six, maybe four if if everything goes well. A few more things on tape. Yeah, maybe. has a good combine, interviews well, stuff like that. It's yeah. hard to know. I'm not an expert either. I don't claim to be. I think, I,
0: I think the Florida game was huge. That t- I, I think For his speed, mm-hmm. he got up to 21 miles per mm-hmm. hour. I think that yeah.
1: was big. Yeah. I think the tools are certainly there, whether the production and him playing on a bad team and not being an alpha at times could hurt him a little bit.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, I think scouts that go to these games, they watch body language and, and things like that, so they might have seen that in, in some of Shepard today. Or not, not today, but throughout the season. Let's see here. Philo says, I enjoy listening to Norman Jordan. That's all I got. Norman, I like listening to Norman on the radio too, and Allegretta. Uh, Norman does a really good job. He played at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he is fun to listen to. It's kind of a silver lining here. Justin asks, would Barton Simmons be the only coach that's retained? That's honestly kind of funny. Um, no, no. I, I mean,. Barton, like, Barton's the guy that has to be retained. (laughs) I mean, he's – you could argue Barton Simmons, in a weird way, is the only hope right now. And I'm not taking anything away from Clark because Clark hired Barton. So, But Clark and Barton, those two guys, I think are the thread that's holding this program together right now. I I really do. And, again, not to take away from any other of the coaches, I think they've got good coaches on the staff, right? I think they've also got some coaches that you know, we may see an exit from. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I just think Clark and Barton those two guys, almost more importantly Barton because he's doing a lot of that recruiting, so is Clark of course. But strategically, who do we go after? All right, we, who who is our backup here? I think Barton is such a huge piece. Uh Elliot, I was at the UNLV game in 2019. Oh gosh. I felt like that was the beginning of the end for Derek Mason. That team pretty much killed us this year too. Yeah, I mean, same stories. I went into that UNLV game saying this could not happen, right? This can't happen. And, Joey, what happened? It happened. It happened. <laughs> Vanderbilt lost to UNLV. No, you're good. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here soon. Justin says they they haven't signed yet. See Pempton, Camorian. Yeah, that's a good point about Dante Carter. So, Well, that's the last of the comments, I think. As you see, at the bottom Vanderbilt travels to Oxford. We don't have the score up there, but I don't know that uh, it really needs to be up there. Vanderbilt loses to Ole Miss, thirty-three to seven. Thank you to Joey Dwyer for uh, bringing me over here to Lipscomb and uh, making me uh, a part of uh, a part of his school. Got a great studio in here. We were able to do this in. Uh, thank you to to everybody that tuned into the Rapid Reaction for Baseball. We got we got content out all over the place right now on the board on YouTube. Uh, with stories and stuff, uh, Will Owens helped us out with recording that at at the at the Hawk, and then also um, all you guys for tuning in tonight. So uh, thank thank you to all the fans, and uh, thank you
1: Joey. Uh, check out the baseball rapid reaction. I leaked some basketball secret scrimmage stuff in there yes. like halfway through. If you guys wanted to see it, if you made it this far, you deserve it. So uh, I appreciate you guys watching obviously not my favorite show to do, but, uh, it's a blessing to have the opportunity to do this. I'm sure Billy and I both, uh, have thought that way for a while, even covering games like this. It's a blessing. And I appreciate you guys watching, having a platform to talk about sports, is something I've dreamed of. Yeah. And you can't take that for granted. And you kind of have to walk the line of saying that and also giving your opinion at times. So we try to do our best. We appreciate you guys watching and tuning in and, uh, Yeah, turn into the baseball rapid reaction if you're not sick of us yet. I'm a little sick of listening to myself speak today, though. Um, I need to get cookout or something to eat. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you guys for watching. And, uh, again, we couldn't appreciate it more. You guys give us the opportunity to do all these things. And uh, I'm sure the Vanderbilt guys appreciate you guys as well, even if uh, they don't like to hear our opinions or your guys' opinions sometimes.
0: Amen. For Joey Dwyer, I'm Billy Derek. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast.